This is Shaco Art Speak. Welcome to Shaco Art Speak. Welcome back, y'all. Welcome. We're here. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Hotel Shaco Art Speak. Such a lovely place. <laughs> I always have the William Hung version in there. Don't ask. Just go look it up on American Idol. William Hung. <laughs> I don't even know he signed. He was it. a contestant. And was he, that on his album? He yes, put it out? is. Oh, okay. Yeah. All alone in the distant. Okay. Well, we've already talked about this on the podcast. So if you're yeah. a long time listener, you already know this. Mm-hmm. I hate the Eagles. I know you do. That's why I did. I didn't know that. Passionate Eagles. Really? Yeah. yeah I do. He, he wow. he's right there with the Big Lebowski man. He wants the Creedence Clearwater. I'm I am more on in, in line with CCR than dude. Eagles. I'm gonna take CCR over the Eagles all day. 100. percent Not yeah. even close. I mean, John Fogarty all day. Mm-hmm. Run through the jungle. Mm-hmm. Don't look back. Fortune son. But is that yeah. a comparative decision or just like the oh, Eagles? Oh no, this is not a, so objective. objective. This is an objective. It's empirical. Don't like it. It's empirical. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. There's a there's a thing. There there are several categorical spaces. People that think Eagles they like the Eagles. Fill. They don't really like them though. Mm-hmm. They think they do. Yeah. Also, I just feel really bad for the families of the people in the band, the Eagles, because they haven't seen their family in 60 years mm, because yeah. they haven't stopped touring. Sure, yeah. Them and Cher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cher's retirement tour. The Eagles tour. always on flight. But yeah, we are, uh, we are back and we have another set of questions. If, well, we have the same set of questions. We have, we have the same set of questions, set. which is, uh, what was my question? It was. Yours was. Um, oh, gosh, we just had the exact wording of it. That we had just listened to. How it does was, narrative shape us? Yeah. How does narrative shape us? Yeah. Is that what it was? It was. Pretty sure. Yeah. How does, how does narrative good or story? Yeah. How does narrative story. or story shape us? How does it shape us? Yeah. And I think it's good because, I mean, you know, last episode, uh, the conversation um, really kicked off with like, what is the what is the impulse to put different art forms together, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. mediums, different styles, whatever it may be, um, which is good. And we um, we started veering kind of naturally. Into yeah. Some it, bleeds stuff into, about it bleeds into these narrative and shaping and things like that already. How you um, see the world. Yep. The story you tell about art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way that you're telling your own story or the stories are being told through you or you are contributing to a larger story, like whatever it may mm-hmm. be. There's a lot of those things there. Um, and this is, uh, uh, you know, I think, you know, just going to speak very personally. Um, as a, there's, there are several like really prominent, famous writers in history that have come from my home state. Um, you know, folks like William Faulkner, mm-hmm. Eudora Welty. Uh, number of people who have, you know, some ability at telling stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but the um, there's a quote from one of these people that I never can find when I need it. But it more or less says something like um, stories, uh, like stories for people in the deep south are like dirt is for plants. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we grow out of them. Mm-hmm. So it's like part and parcel. It's, it's, uh, it's they're, they're foundational but mm-hmm. they're also like definitional mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. So it's, they're always a part of things. Um, so even, you know, a good friend of the podcast, good friend of ours, <clears throat> we were having dinner at their house last night and he, uh, he said something about they went down cause his wife has some family in Mississippi and they went down and he's like, yeah, you know, like the, it's just, it's slower. Like it's a slower pace of life. Um, and kind of like their one big hospitality space is food. It's like feeding you. But the thing that always goes with a meal is a good story or 20 mm-hmm. and that's like just part and parcel of it. So I can't hear about like narrative and shaping mm-hmm. without thinking about like a, the communal aspect of it, like how stories are things that, you know, you, you sit around in a group and listen to mm-hmm. or, you know, books that have good stories or things that you share with someone else. Mm-hmm. So you're like, Oh, I read this book. It was great. You should check it out. Oh, you don't have a copy. Here's mine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so there's that for me. Um, that's the first place my mind goes because that's mm. kind of how it grew up is that's stories that like family reunions is how I know past generations, mm-hmm. you know, hearing my great aunts talk about their great aunts. I don't, I don't know those great, great, great aunts, but I know of them mm-hmm. because of the stories. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of the first place my mind goes is just like connection, mm-hmm. like community, those sort of things. Mm-hmm. That's really yeah. funny that you say you talked about st- stories of the soil that we grow out of. Have you read a lot of Wendell Berry? Yeah. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the parallel lines of, uh, you know, he's got a bunch of essays about his childhood and he captures the spirit of a lot of those things in his novels, but just that idea of the stories that are told generationally that connect a community to its own past and its own history, mm-hmm. which is intimately wedded up with how they're living in the land that they possess and what they do with that land. And a, a lot of his stuff is sort of meditations on the damage that comes to the land when people forget the stories that help them understand how they're connected to the land. So it's, it's just really funny because, you know, his two main tracks are sort of local community life mm-hmm. intergenerationally and a serious passion for the actual proper use of the land agriculturally and mm-hmm. benefiting the environment. Um, so yeah, that totally... Well, there's a a strong, well, with that, you know, like Wendell kind of in the same sort of uh, camp of sorts in terms of like their space within 20th century writing. Um, John Updike has some poetry that's really fantastic. He speaks sort of some of the same sort of things, right? So you have almost like a school of thought in in this area, but just to, it's good. If you want to read the whole poem, go read it. It's called Planting Trees by John Updike. And it's something that's always been real special to my wife and I. Um, But the last, last verse of it says, At the back of our acre here, my wife and I, freshly moved in, freshly together, transplanted two hemlocks that guarded our door gloomily, green gnomes a meter high. One died, gray as sagebrush sagebrush next spring. The other lives on and someday will dominate this view no longer mine. Its great lazy feathery hemlock limbs down drooping, its tent-shaped caverns resinous and deep. Then may I return an old man, a trespasser, and remember and marvel to see our small deed, that hurried day, so amplified like a story through layers of air told over and over, spreading. And so he's even equating like story almost as like a natural element of the world um, through the way that like a tree tells its story, right? So you go to like the Science Museum here in Richmond and there's a gigantic like slab from a tree and on its rings are years and dates and things. So it's like, this is when, you know, the city of Richmond was burned during the mm-hmm. Civil War. This is when, you know, some of the first, um, this is when the man walked on the moon. This, you know, all these sort of like pinpoints mm-hmm. along this. And the, the, this, even this now dead thing mm-hmm. is a story in and of itself that uh, like the world is so full of stories mm-hmm. in that way. It's always intriguing. Mm-hmm. I'm just listening to you tell yeah. stories. <laughs> <clears throat> well, so the question is how? Mm-hmm. Yes, we have, we have we have raising eyebrows for those of you. Um. <laughs> so stories would be, you know, we've, we've talked up to this point about the sort of the physical connection of humans to places and how stories and places are connected. But stories are, I don't know, 
would you say they're the governing framework that allows us to make meaning out of the experiences that we have in a place? Man, so this is tough, right? It's how? Because I think I think you're getting towards towards stuff, Cody. The because there's no question of do they? There's no question do they? So it's already an assumption. That's why the space. question is how. Yeah, yeah and yeah. so it's like they do shape us, but how do they? Mm-hmm. And so we, I think there's a difference between what's happened and our understanding of it as story. Obviously, they're connected. Yeah, but and, like, yeah. the tree is not the story. If and, that makes sense. You used even more particular language, which is narrative. So it's how yes, does narrative. So narrative is an interpretation of story or yes. event, right? Because narrative so, is narrated. Yeah. And narrative assumes a personal storytelling. Mm-hmm. And that's a storytelling that can be fiction or nonfiction. Mm-hmm. It can be right. reliable or unreliable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be uh, yeah, productive or nonproductive. It was a simple question, but it wasn't. I chose my words did, carefully. It, when, do we, when have we I had know. a simple Ryan's question? Ryan's mocking me because my question, I did not choose my words carefully and we wasted a lot of time trying to uh, <laughs> get it clear. figure out. Hey, even yeah. in a clear question, we're going to... Make it unclear. Listen, one thing we're going to do really well is make everything unclear. That's and right. then say that Cody clarifies. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> Hello. Cody clarifies. Yeah, so the uh, I think with with uh, with that is tough because I think that there is like a like are we is the narrative that we are telling through whatever we may do at whatever period is it a narrative that is going to be based on what has happened is it a narrative based on what we believe will happen I mean a lot of it like is uh, this is ah, a tough question right. Ryan I know about because to, I'm waiting for y'all story, to talk. <laughs> so, so as I think about it story necessarily implies our finitude because everyone comes into the world with stuff preceding them. Uh-huh. No one comes into the blank slate who who starts a fresh view of the world mm-hmm. on a fresh world. Like so um yeah, we're born into a culture, we're born so into the a books family. we read born into um, genetics last year about sort of the idea of cultural horizons. Yes. That you come into a place and a time and a people mm-hmm. and that sets the frame and the stage. I mean, we use phrases like the Overton window mm-hmm. that, that defines the terms of when we look at the world around us, what words we map on and what ideas we map onto the world and yeah. what relationships we axiomatically by default assume, mm-hmm. which are not always the same in all times and all places, depending on who raised you and what culture you're in and things Correct. like that. Now then there's the grand uniformity of the universe, which is there's a surprising uh, continuity between all of the ways that humans have told story, mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not you were in mm-hmm. centuries back in a different continent or you're in America in the 21st century. So that's so complicating it. So there's an interrelationship between story and narrative. Mm-hmm. So, narr- so the question is how does narrative shape us? So narrative assumes a, a um, spoken or written component. Mm-hmm. So what that means is, so, here, so here's a couple of things that are real. So you were, you know, you got one part, I think, or started to, which is ta- you're talking about framework, right? Mm-hmm. The story, the story is the sub subcategory of narrative in a sense. Yeah. So story has um, particular ends in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, like story can be um, uh, imaginative. Um, it can be, you know, it can, it can do a lot of things. It can be entertaining. It can be didactic, didactic, it can be for instruction. It can be, um, 
you know, it's got a myriad of uses, mm-hmm. right? And the narrative has something to do with authority and hierarchy. So there's hierarchy within the story, then there's hierarchy with with regards to the narrator. So, so would, so, would you say the story is like what, and the narration is how? Well, before that, the, so if you said, if I said, does narrative, how does narrative shape us? Narrative is sort of almost like a, a closed given, mm-hmm. um, and it and it implicates something outside the closed given. It implicates a narrator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so. So when you say, so one, you know, I always say that things are spoken. So how does narrative shape us? Well, it bleeds into the notion of us being spoken into like we're spoken speakers mm-hmm. or I always say we're made makers. We're, and so there's that, right? And then it's about the connected nature of things. Mm-hmm. So it's how the, uh, it's the, it's the way that the connectivity of unfolding events are discussed. Um, in order to see the, the unfolding events connected. Mm-hmm. And the story makes it aesthetic and experiential. Um, you know, they're really closely connected, right? Yeah. So the story can make it aesthetic. It can make it entertaining. It can make it sad. It can make it both. And, and you, can, um, you can be in, in the connected events and then you could have someone tell you a story about it and story can have elasticity to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm making some distinctions to say that this can get muddled too. Right. Yeah. So it's sort of like saying go here first just to consider, cause I can tell you the story of my, uh, life and say, I was born by this woman, this man and one night stand. And then here I am. And I can say that in like one minute and that's the story I've told you, mm-hmm. but it doesn't narrate the, unfolding sequence of events. Yeah. So, but I can also, if given time, so now I wanna, what I wanna do is import space and time. Cause, cause if you, if you wed um, narrative to, to events, events have time, space, mm-hmm. distance. Mm-hmm. And so now you're dealing with scope and scale, mm-hmm. relative kinds, right? And then in there, narr- uh, story allows us to play with that. And, um, I can tell the same story given more time with more detail hmm. um, and, and, and emphasize the effect differently. Um, this, this is just to start us, mm-hmm. just to kind of like um, f- sort of start to look at, it's like sort of trying to start to point at the mechanics. Yeah. yeah. Which is, sounds so um, terrible in a way to start to look at the mechanics of story. But the reason why I thought it was an interesting question is because I think we're willy-nilly about something that's not we're willy-nilly about something that is not willy-nilly but yeah. because it affords us that so it affords us sentimentalism nostalgia all those are valid categories but it but story and, and then therefore narrative are not relinquished or grounded there per se mm-hmm. so the question is how did it, how does narrative shape us so would you say that the same story can be narrated two different ways mm-hmm. and it remains the same story mm-hmm. Okay, that's all. I think, I mean, like the place where my mind goes is, you know, the meaning can be the same. You're talking about even distinction with story and narrative. And I'm like, uh, you know, how many, how many like kind of events in the world happened and then countless painters painted images of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the connection of like story and narrative. That's right. Hearing it. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. like, so there is a, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's also a discussion of like uh, personal experience 
versus like ultimate reality, mm-hmm. right? It's these ideas of like, uh, like we all like, um, yes, Cody too. I was sitting, I was like, we all experienced nine 11 in some way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. That is, that is I'm a not that young. I know. I was, I was just doing the math in my head real quick to me. I was like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, that's more on me than you. It's my ability to not quickly do the math. I mean, I was, <laughs> you don't have six to say or seven. Oh, okay. Seven. Yeah. Freshman in college. Yeah. So the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, um, the, the things like that, that was a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Right. But the way in which we talk about it, mm-hmm. the way in which we allow its, uh, importance, uh, its activities, its vectoring of of history or time mm-hmm. or society or whatever that that becomes the narrative space. Yeah, so so I can I can pull or push different things in ways mm-hmm. that can I think in a in a in a mischievous way can greatly impact how that's understood. Yes. So my narrative is possibly going to reframe history mm-hmm. in a way that is not true. Mm-hmm but still possible of being told. Yep. And then and then the stories aggregate around that. So like if you go, yeah. you said, hey, I watched a documentary on 9-11 and there's a narrator mm-hmm. and then they dip into people's stories. Yeah. So that, you know, so, so then let's say their story is their story, but then the narrative uh, contextualizes the story. Mm-hmm. So you can, so, so that's another layer. So, so false narrative. Have, yeah, yeah. You and, can have multiple stories that are unified by a single narration. Mm-hmm. And it's also why I think you can get into these conversations where you can understand why somebody might say a particular style within a particular medium of the arts is invalid. Mm-hmm. Because if we're looking at it as saying, no, like if, if the objects we create are truth, if they are story, then uh, you can't negate them because mm-hmm. they are. But you can enter into a preferential space if they are narrative. So what I'm saying is mm-hmm. you could have somebody say, oh, um, cubist abstraction is not is not legitimate. I don't view it as legitimate because it's problematic. It's only problematic if it's in that category of story. Mm-hmm. But if it's in the category of narration, if it is the viewpoint from which I saw the action happen, yeah. then we can talk about its validity as just being there, period. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, we yeah. can talk about preference or we can talk about truth or mm-hmm. like um, service to. Or it becomes history. So right. it's no longer. Because I would have thought that it would kind of be the reverse where you would say, no, that narration of the events is invalid. Well, I'm sure somebody could say that too. And, and no, that would that be too. the primary you, a false way that, narrative. That, yeah. that you would discount a work. Is, you know, I think it'd be a more acceptable way to discount a work. Well, at this point, yeah. so what we do, so because I mean like, so you ask the question and it's like, okay, so because so, here's the thing, narrative assumes hierarchy. So in a culture that doesn't want hierarchy, mm-hmm. so you got a couple of things, right? So you got narration, which is predicated let's say, mm-hmm. uh, on, on authority, says who? Authorship. Authorship, right? Yeah. Story has beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it can be like, um, now again, there's gross overlap here, right? So we're talking about things that are bled into each other. Mm-hmm. So to talk about them as too strongly as separate can feel like, wait a minute, but this is not true there. It's like, yes. Mm-hmm. So, so you got to hold that dance together. They're dance partners, right? Yeah. So um, that's why... I do want to distinguish when we talk about story, are we talking about actual events that have really occurred? No, because it's not required to tell a story. That's, that's what I just want to distinguish. So there's, there's what's actually happened in reality. There's story and then there's a narrative perspective on the story, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, but I think there is there, there probably 
the way I'm understanding things, there is still an objectivity versus subjectivity mm-hmm. that's happening. So that's what I'm, that's even, what I'm, yeah. Even the, even the fiction story has an objectivity to it. Yeah, well, because it's grounded by a narrative. Right. It's, it's grounded by a sequence of events that are being articulated or framed up or lived out. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is the rub. This is the rub. It's, so, so you have um, beginning, middle, and end in a, in a story. And then you, you're, you know, you, every, every narration or narrative has some kind of end, right? Mm-hmm. Or a beginning, yeah. beginning, yeah. let's say. But it doesn't necessarily have an end yet. Right. But the stories will. Mm-hmm. Um, based on their, part of their characteristic distinctiveness. Narrative mm-hmm. can't have an end. I'm just saying that I'm trying to create um, scales of narration that, that scale into narrative. Well, it makes sense because the stories of my life will end one day, mm-hmm. but I hope to live a life in such a way that the narratives don't. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. I hope that my grandchildren yeah, and grandchildren talk yeah, about It's me. a much bigger right. implied sculpt. Now, here's the thing though. If you take away, if you say, which has happened, mm-hmm. if, you, if you say uh, narrative is the problem, Mm-hmm. And so you have an attack on narrative. Yeah. And so you have people telling sub story like stories with no narrative. Mm-hmm. Well, that's still a narrative. Yeah. So what happens is that narrative burrows story deeper into atomized expressions. And mm-hmm. so how so so when I say that as a as a, a kind of an example to say that you it's unescapable mm-hmm. that we live in a narrative, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a uh because if you if you look at it as like the sequence the sequencing and connectivity of events. And then someone says, well, everything's, everything's connected. You can't make a single story to describe it. Well, no, you can't do that. The question is, is there a narrative big enough to encompass the whole of every sequence of events? Mm-hmm. That's what becomes at stake. That's the whole idea of meta narrative. Right. And the narrative that's that the, covers the, all narratives. Yeah. So, 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 um, and that has been a real issue for, for Western, Society and 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 yeah, outside, one side of our mouth, we've said, "Well, there's no meta narrative." While then defaulting to something lesser as a replacement for the meta narrative, which is a Mickey. It's kind of like a it's like a lie. And I didn't necessarily want to go there, but it is worth saying this. Well, it's, Be, yeah, it's interesting that you're saying that because I'm thinking if you say there's no narrative, but there is story because there's reality, then that get, kind of gets you logical positivism. Yeah, like we're we're gonna pretend. That the facts interpret themselves. Mm-hmm. There's just the story, but no narrative. Because um, narrative is a structure. Story is the conveyance of the structure with um, uh, particular kinds of ends in mind. I want to entertain my friends. I want them to like me. I want to activate my kids' imagination. I want to entertain. You, you see what I'm saying? Like so, like you're like I want to welcome people in. I want them to understand something. And so, so you think about the many uses, the many applications for story, mm-hmm. myriad. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, we, we are, we are replete in, in the uses of story is, is, uh, eminently valuable. Mm-hmm. What we debate without knowing it sometimes is narrative. So that's why I said strategically, like how does, how does narrative shape us? Mm-hmm. So, so it becomes a, a weirder question and harder Right, like it's like because we think so. Your point, Gareth, about objectivity and subjectivity is relevant because we, we're comfortable in the subjectivity of story. Oh yeah, but we're not comfortable with yeah. We're not held anything. We're not comfortable with is, is objectivity. Yeah. So um, I mentioned it before, um, but uh, so Kurt Vonnegut wrote a thesis mm-hmm. that he called the shape of stories, and I think he did it for like anthropology. Mm-hmm. Uh, oddly enough, as a writer, mm-hmm. uh, and it was rejected. Makes sense. Like summarily, sum- summarily rejected. Just mm-hmm. like nope. 
not a thing. We don't like this. We hate it. Because what he said is that uh, from his study, um, there are only eight stories that have ever been told. Mm. That's it. There's okay. eight of them. And he plotted these out as actual like like what's the book shape? Uh, well, I'm not sure where in what book he died. He talks oh, about okay. it across yeah. several things. There's a oh, really yeah. fantastic. I'll I'll put the link in the uh, the show notes. Um, but there's a really great like 15 minute talk on okay, YouTube that. that he that he gives where he runs through this. And you know, if you've read any Kurt Vonnegut, uh, you sometimes might wonder like, can this guy organize thoughts in such a way that I could do this? <laughs> like he's such a he's such a postmodern writer uh, with stream of consciousness as as kind of a bedrock of things that. It can be hard to follow his his fiction, mm-hmm. but I think he does a superb job telling this, and he's also a wonderful storyteller mm-hmm. as someone who's teaching this concept. Um, so it's it's eight stories. And he said that they're man and whole, boy meets girl, uh, creation, Old Testament, New Testament, Cinderella, from bad to worse, and which way is up. Mm-hmm. And he plots out. He he physically on a graph plots out in terms of like an X, Y axis of time mm-hmm. versus like emotional state, yeah. what these stories are. And um, he, he deals with that and he says, you know, every story is this, mm-hmm. every story you've ever had is this. And so if we, if we just sit and can assume as a thought exercise that Kurt Vonnegut is correct, there's mm-hmm. only eight stories and that's it. There's only eight shapes that a story can take. If we throw out narrative, we don't have a ton mm-hmm. because he, because we just go back to just those eight stories yeah, as one-offs mm-hmm. because narration is what allows the, uh, so the man in the hole is a guy's living his life. Something terrible happens. He ends up in a really bad place mm-hmm. and he's got to be kind of dealing with that fall, mm-hmm. waiting for somebody to help him out of that hole. Yes. Yeah, we all know that yeah, story. That's the theme resolution. Right? It's, it's Rudy, right? Yeah. It's um, Shawshank Redemption. It's Shawshank Redemption. It's, it's so many stories. Yeah. It's a threat and then a, <laughs> And resolution of the threat. And each of those is a narration on the story. Yeah. Right? It's a narrative. It's a yeah. way of telling that story, uh, maybe with different means and modes. Then you get still. into archetypes and in, in, uh, facets that actually um, become like ingredients to the seasoning and development mm-hmm. of the the particular story. You know, like, like and, and uh, sometimes we can get trapped into like the hero, the anti-hero. Like we mm-hmm. can get trapped into those categories as if those were... The story. Um, immune from what we're talking about mm, as right. if the symbol can eclipse the space-time continuum that uh, that necessitates an organization um, of uh, sense-making mm-hmm. regarding the sequence of events that are unfolding. Yeah. Question. So you mentioned that stories have ends. So do How, narratives, but they may, they may, there, there's, there, yeah, there's so that, a common, but I, like I said, that's the dance. There's a commonality, but narratives, um, cause like I could tell it's a, it's a question of usage. I so, could tell the same story and narrate it so that it had a moral, mm-hmm. which would be an end of like sort of virtue mm-hmm. instruction, or I could, uh, cynically narrate it to say there's no meaning in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could employ that story using my narrative method towards very different outcomes mm-hmm. while the you could say the guts or the the content or the details of the story itself mm-hmm. don't change so my question is just like is the story just the thing employed to the end or does the story itself have its own end or orientation that the narrative is either driving with or driving against or yes how does that work what are your thoughts? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, yes to both. Okay. Yes to both. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yes. It's just yes, it's both. Okay. Yep. And then and then it, so see, but then so because that, that what that does is it creates the um, the dilemma of authority. So the question, so by what authority? So who has the authority yes. to give the proper narration of mm-hmm. the story? So that's where we're at right now. Is, so that's like Walter Storr's sort of like canonical view. Mm-hmm. So think about what's competing. Who who is who is holding the authority to tell us what actually is happening? That's the whole fake news, non fake news, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, which was the yeah. same thing back in the late eighteen hundreds totally. with yellow journalism. Yep. Who, yeah. Who's telling a story? It's by what authority? It's always by what authority, mm-hmm. right? We mm-hmm. all, and even when we say there is no authority, then you have to say, well, by, no what authority authority? Authority? by what authority? By what authority then? Yeah. So you can't get around it. It's, it's an axiom. It's axiomatic. So then you have to look at it and go like, cosmos is. Cosmos is structured in such a way that demands authority to narrate to us actually what is the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. So then, so that's a weird. I mean, um, and this is part of the thing. So then, it's like, how does it shape us? Well, if it's if it's um, how does narrative shape us? It actually is the it's it's if it's spoken, then it is part of uh, essentially how it is that we exist and have our being. It's how we um, uh, exercise our meaning and purpose. It's how, meaning, in other words, it's actually how we live. We live in a narrative structure structure that actually is necessary to live. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's it's so deeply inescapable that you're you're to to push back against it is to wrestle with the foundation of reality itself, mm-hmm. which you can't do because you're a contingent upon it. Yeah. So so you can you can obfuscate and you can quibble, but you're always going to default to by what authority. You see, so like no so what's happening in our world right now is people are jockeying for raw power authority and sophistry and uh whim and narrative telling has gone exceedingly brute mm-hmm. to entertainment or to brute facts in a crass way to gain shock value in order to gain appeal to mm-hmm. uh uh, the narr- narrator telling you how reality is unfolding as it stands and what you should do as a result. Yeah. So narrative is part of what allows us to know what to do. It shapes us by giving us import into how to do what we do and why. Mm-hmm. And then story confirms, uh, you know, makes pleasant, makes urgent, clarifies, personalizes, you know, like imbues with um, aesthetic value and richness or or not, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, enjoins people together. Mm-hmm. So story is the glue that, um, uh, uh, or, you know, or it's the, the vacillator for uh, uh, the fact that we are in a meta-narrative framework. Yeah, it's, you know, going back to kind of, how I kicked things off talking about connection, like the way you're describing this, Ryan, like it's making me think, um, it, you know, maybe it's an outlandish claim, but, um, I'd be happy to stake a lot of things on it. Um, to say that like within the parameters of how you're speaking about story and narrative only through a truly spoken story, do I have any connection with someone around me? Mm -hmm. The only way that a relationship is sustained is mm-hmm. if that story is continuously spoken. Yep. Because exactly. you think about the way like friendships die or mm-hmm. relationships die. Well, what do they talk about? Well, we, you know, we just stopped talking. Mm-hmm. Right. And, or it became, we only ever talked about the groceries or yeah. the kids or who was, you know, the appointments. So it was like brute facts, mm-hmm. but not actually a personal exchange. You stopped operating yeah. in, you stopped living in the narrative. You started dying in it. Yeah. And so like, um, for like, 
a, a word spoken to be the thing that actually allows you to continue being mm-hmm. is a huge, a huge thing. And I think if you go back within human history, we see that uh, more readily available mm-hmm. um, in terms of the way that early uh, early societies were kind of built around that. I mm-hmm. mean, even even you know conversations in like uh, ancient philosophers that we've talked about before as well, like of. What do we what do we destroy once we start writing this down and stop just telling it to each other? Yeah, yeah like yeah. what is lost? Yeah, that's right. So and the continual get, generational, what is lost with X step mm-hmm. forward in the technology? How far do you chain? get behind the mechanics before you're actually destroyed? Yeah, like before you're actually chewed up by the machine, so to speak, or something mm-hmm. like that. But like that's and that's the thing, man. So if you flip it, like, um, and you go back to like your philosophers, like they took theater far more seriously. Yeah. So so like it like it was a. Um, value aspect to understanding ourselves that had more weight to it in some ways there was yep. critical of theater, theater but i'm saying we they took it more seriously and well, reason, their criticality was an expression of the seriousness with which they took it yeah because you're not yeah, critical yeah. of something you think is trivial yeah so i say that to say um that when i say this point it can sound um like it cheapens our existence but so if we're in a narrative spoken framework that is uh 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 connective Mm-hmm. then which means if it's connective it has intention and if it has intention it has explanation and if it has explanation it has import and meaning for us mm-hmm. and so then it puts us in an embedded experience of um acting mm-hmm. in in a kind of uh cosmic theater yeah. way theatric way um and it confronts our uh agency and autonomy and push back against the idea that we're something less than what we'd like to think that we are. Mm-hmm. And so, but we can't cut cut ties from the causal power of spoken word narration, mm-hmm. galvanizing, upholding, and enabling us to even exist in a, you know, so it sounds like I was saying a couple of days ago, it's like if perception shapes memory. Mm-hmm. In other words, like if you think about that, your perception shapes your, your memory shapes your perception. If you can't remember anything after you just learned it, mm-hmm. then you can never walk, speak, or think because you right. can't appeal to uniformity in nature mm-hmm. to go forward and assume it's still there, confirming to you its value and truth and usefulness in the context of the narrative you're in. Yeah. So, so meaning builds out of our memory as we perceive. Uh, and the question is, do we perceive well or not? Mm-hmm. How well do we hear? Mm-hmm. How well do we see? And all of those are facets uh, that have to be engaged with the senses. Yes, so, that's, a, that's a narrative question mm-hmm. because how we are narrating or being narrated Sorry. to, um, depending on how you want to look at it, will dictate what we see, what we hear, what we remember. Mm-hmm. Because if there's anything that we've found about humans is that we're really good at n- missing things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're really, well, yeah. we're yeah. really good at prioritizing mm-hmm. kind of based on our narrative framework. Mm-hmm. And then from that priority deprioritizing information default, right there in front of yeah, us yeah it's def, it's a default aspect of our fin, our 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 finitude so we Absolutely. cannot know all things at once we have to know things in sequence we can't even absorb everything that's in front of us all no, at once no we have no capacity to do that we have right. we have we have relational capacity and a lot of times our default way of prioritizing that that experience is uh, un, un it's um, passively shaped so we have a lot of passive assumptions that we don't address until they're made apparent to us mm-hmm. um, out of our just just the natural way we kind of come up. It's a, it's a it's a very necessary thing in order to acquire new knowledge. Yes. And then there is the way in which our 
our, our desires for what we deem valuable or significant within ourselves determines what we see and don't see to some extent. So some things aren't meaningful until it's made meaningful to us. Most things aren't. And then, and then, and then we have categories like, is it useful, et cetera. But if you come into contact with the narrator, they may give you a different view into the story you're in Mm -hmm. um, and how you tell it, remember it and exist in light of it. And, and it may open up expanded categories for you. So you're either in a closed system or not. This is all it's, you know, it's, so it's uh, narrative has a, uh, a kind of systemic aspect to it. And so like when we try to, you know, this is, it can get weird, but, um, Depending on we've what never gotten weird before. Yeah, I well, I think really you know you, one thing we're kind of talking about like the way that we kind of step into narratives or things, and so there's a, sort of a, a space that's kind of been demarcated in a sense of like how we look into narratives, mm-hmm. um, in 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 almost like a not historical. I'd actually say we don't look into it; we look up at it, and it because we're in it. Yeah. Well, so what I mean by that is like we if we like so how do narratives shape us? We're, we're talking really well about like, oh, narratives that exist um, that shape what we do, mm-hmm. um, that kind of shape who we are. But then like, how do those narratives affect other narratives? And this is a conversation I think that gets into like the, like, like you can make the. Um, they default to hierarchy is what one thing that's really important to understand. Right. Hierarchy is unavoidable. Well, that's why I'm saying like, I think that there, this is a place where you talk about like, then, uh, then culture becomes a narrative. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the same way that, that uh, an author might build a narrative based on a set of, of things that happened mm-hmm. or a story. Mm-hmm. The cultures are built in the same sort of way, mm-hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> I probably wouldn't tell just like an arbitrary happenstance, slow moving story to somebody that mm-hmm. just is like kind of there and doesn't have any value and then kind of just happens. But we do build culture that way. Yes. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell a story. I wouldn't. The funny wouldn't, thing is right now mm-hmm. we would, there's like whole genres of film that basically, and storytelling that is slow plotting, kind of meaningless, non-conclusive narratives. Right. But I would still say they're still telling a narrative, whether that's a, this is unimportant or we're prioritizing the wrong things. Like there's still be some sort of narrative. And I'm not saying that culture is not doing that, mm-hmm. but I am saying that um, there's probably an intentionality to not appearing intentional or not appearing. Yeah. yeah Cause it's so, an actual rebellion against narr- the narrative structure. Yeah. But you have to, you, you have to work with the, the tools that are available. But so, our culture is always kind of a narrative on the story that we're in. Yeah. That's what I mean when I say it's axiomatic, it's you can't yeah. get around it. So all you can do is rebel against it. That's what you're both pointing to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you can diminish it, but you can't get rid of it. So we're no. in a way on a cultural level, we're unintentionally doing things that in the present moment, people are intentionally actually making. Art it's like artifacts. graffiting it. It's like graffiti. Show yeah. so there is an intentional narration, and then what's produced actually lines up with sort of unintentionally what our yeah. society's doing. Uh, hey, let me possibly. say this way: graffiti, yeah, yeah. graffiti. So distinction: graffiti um, can't can have skill. So we're not talking about skill, right? And we're not talking about murals. We're mm-hmm. about graffiti, right? So graffiti is just tags. Imp- graffiti is impotent in dealing with the architecture in front of it. It's impotent, it's futile, it's just defamation, it just defames, Mm -hmm. but it it has no real power because it's washed off and painted over. It's impotent because of the brute fact of the architecture. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's not a wrecking ball. Wrecking ball messed the architecture up. Yeah, It's not a wrecking ball. So uh, our efforts to deny the narrative is analogous to the graffiti artist 
tagging a wall and acting as though they did something. All right. you did was defame a reality you have no authority over. Right. You can't change it. You didn't do anything to it other than defame it. Now, you can live in a place where narratives defamed all over the place. So you walk around and every architecture is tagged up and no one's living there. That's what our culture looks like. Nonetheless, the architecture, quote unquote, stands mm-hmm. because there's an imp- impotency in the, ta- the, the, uh, the act of uh, response itself. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's a yeah. degra- degraded response in order to show its difference. You can't outbound it in excellence, so you have to unbound it in uh, devolution. Mm-hmm. You have to devolve into a debase action to show yourself in relationship to it in a clear and distinct way. So you can't go up, you can only go down. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to defame it. That's defamation. It's like the tiger has no money, no property, uh, no, no social standing, let's say. Mm-hmm. Well, how do they actually assert themselves on society? By, by acting counter because they can't bound it. Mm-hmm. They can't become a millionaire and buy buildings and build buildings. They can't do that. Mm-hmm. It's not available to them for one reason or another. And I don't say that cheaply. I mean, that's all of us at different levels. Oh, yeah. you, know, you get into the deluded middle space where you start thinking your painting is doing more than it is, and it's not. Mm-hmm. You still need the, the billionaire to buy the painting. Yeah, they're they're really you're you're not that's not what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, so like how does hey, that's another question? How's painting shape us? We can get to that later. <laughs> so like how so um so what happens is that's the you know I, that's the um the real upside down you know um it, you know is is to get other people to agree with you mm-hmm. that your defamation is up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where we're at right now. No, and I think that's what I was getting at with like in terms of like the culture we create mm-hmm. um, is is in a sense always going to be a narrative because the culture is is um, it is the subjective mm-hmm. in the sense of like story versus narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, culture is the subjective side of that because it will change, it will mm-hmm. adjust, it will ebb and flow. Um, you know, it will be dictated by people or governments. It'll just change. Yeah, right. Um, so there's a subjectivity to it, um, and so I think in some of those ways it's like. There are stories, and then as we get into like kind of, uh, I mean, who hasn't said in the last ten years there's nothing original in Hollywood? They're just remaking old movies and having mm-hmm. crap like reheated, right? Yeah, we've all said it because that's the thing. Was the last time you saw a real original film? You probably haven't in a long time, um, and if it was, it stands out very openly to you. Um, so then it's you know the question of like um, like generations of narratives. Mm-hmm. So it's like all right, we have. We have stories, we have narratives about those stories, but then we have a narrative on the narrative and a narrative on the narrative's narrative, right? Mm-hmm. And then as we permutate per, permutate these things out, mm-hmm. now we're like, oh, we've got narratives on eight levels of narratives and yes. now that narrative is the one building the culture. Like, it's like the postmodern commentary on commentary on commentary on yeah. commentary. And you're like, well, I look around and if I don't like things about my culture, it's like, well, no wonder. When's the last time we were attached to anything real? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it seems relevant to the question of craft in a uh, highly it, digitized society. It definitely does. It feels so, like it goes into that. Yeah. So the, the main main takeaways are um, how does narrative shape us? Well, um, you 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 can't argue that it hasn't. Mm-hmm. So you have to start there. Yes. Because so, so then the how does it has to do with um, that it does and that it has and it is. Mm-hmm. And so you have to you have to go ahead and make peace with that first. Oh, it is. It's an axiom. It's unavoidable. You've been shaped. Um, then the question is, it shapes through the organizi- organization of, of set events and, and uh, makes sense meaning of those events. 
And if it's organized, then it's hierarchical. So, so then if it's organized, it's hierarchical, then there is an authority. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is the authority good or bad? Right. But what's not off the table is that you are shaped by authorities. Mm-hmm. So, so you're shaped by authoritative, authoritative speaking voice. The question is, which voice is a good, um, uh, what, what is its vested interest in your life? And um, does it move people according to the other kinds of factors that are bound up in, bound up in what it means to be human or not? Um, and does it possess the authority it claims it has? Yeah, does well, it actually have? Say. So that does it. So that's the thing. So when you say new fake narratives, counter narratives, that kind of thing, and and we're really competing for narrative right now. What's really interesting is if you are being honest and you looked at competing narratives, when people despise one president and prize the other, and vice versa, you're really seeing a degradation of moral character across the board. Like anybody who actually thinks that Joe Biden's a moral person. Mm-hmm is crazy like like i can show nine million pictures or videos of him lying over the course of his life he's not a moral person he's an immoral person you're really picking from the bottom of the barrel across the board anybody that's like um most of the politicians republican or conservative are um or democrat are uh their allegiances are to some other higher narrative right. that's why people say things like there's there's more going on here some kind of superstructure or whatever yeah there's like power brokers that are all political in the sense that they exist as a, they they're situated at a higher hierarchical level, and so then there's actors and players, mm-hmm. and and the question is how are you understanding the way the narrative is is conveyed to you, and then and then you have your your own way that you're responding to the stories, yeah, that give you view back into the narrative, mm-hmm. and then and then you rebel or don't rebel, but is there a clearer authority that supersedes all the all authorities mm-hmm. that that's a real important question but what's what's never off the table is authority mm-hmm. and what's never off the table is narrative itself like you you have to make sense mm-hmm. of your existence and narrative is the structure by which sense is made of your existence yeah so so you are shaped by sense making in a, in a sequence of events happening over time that's like an axiom you can't get around it um and we all kind of need a personal narrator mm-hmm. who can uh, be as close to us as a friend while also occupying the position of being sovereignly unaffected uh and superseding uh everyone else so you need you need a, a very unique kind of person who can both tell you what's happening but also be impartial to it in such a way that they have your good in mind. And so that is not in a Democrat or a Republican. Right, right. That is not in Fox or MSN or CNN. Or, it, you know, it's not in one people group's agenda per se. It really comes down to who is uh, bearing, the, um, bearing the authority of the uh, um, ultimate and personal being, if you will. Well, I think, the, you know, the, the point Cody made earlier about, like, our finitude is super important there because what it does is within that space, uh, we if, if we if we can understand, if we're absolutely honest, and this is one of those things, nobody's going on a limb to say that we're finite, right? There, yeah. If anybody's arguing that, like there's so many things you're just not wanting to see, mm-hmm. right? We die. We can't know everything. Yeah. I have, I'm in a place, I can't be in another place at the same time. Our finitude yeah. is, is not yeah. a discussion point, right? Mm-hmm. But if we start from there and we talk about this, then we have to assume one of 
two, possibly more, more points. One of which is that if I am narrating the story, I am either wrong or ignorant or both. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm finite, I can't be narrating the story in a way that's like omniscient, mm -hmm. right? I can't, I can't know the end. I can't be narrating. Well, I say wrong, ignorant place. or dishonest. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. You're a liar category. Yeah. I would say that's a very, I see that's a dominant category actually mm -hmm. on some level. Oh on yeah. On some level. That's a, that's a big dominant. It's actually like I'm privy to the others and I'm dishonest. And this has nothing to do with character. It has everything to do with the reality of, of the fact that we are limited, that we are. Yeah. Our limitation finite. is not, is not a character. Right. The character, morality, whatever yeah. else comes into it later. Yeah. I'm talking about like foundation Prior to that. Yeah, Prior to that. Yeah. These are kind of the categories we're working mm -hmm. in. Um, and so if we can understand like, what is the actual story? How are we being honest or dishonest in narration? Yep. What does that look like in terms of how we dictate our own lives, how our careers work, what that means about our view of art, design, culture, whatever it may be. These things are all important. They because influence you're the not, stories you tell each other. Right. Because you are not inert yeah. in this world. Yeah. No you matter are how hard here. you try. Yeah. You're not, you're not unimportant no matter how hard you try to limit yourself. Yeah. You are not, um, you are not the masses, how much, however much you try to obliterate your individuality in yeah. certain ways. Like, yeah. and so, yeah, there's so much into that. Um, I don't even know, like at, at this point, you know, I think if we continue talking more about it, I think we kind of chase our tails. Um, well, I just have sort of one last comment. Yeah. Um, if there's a strong drive against hierarchy and order, then it makes sense why people would want to upload their consciousness into a computer. Yep and experience, quote unquote, the pure data, no narrative. Yeah, because no narrative, it means no, no responsibility, responsibility to the, the authority. Yeah, not being subject to the authority. Yep. Mm -hmm. The irony being that then you're still subjected to the authority of the si operating the system. system. Yeah. And it's still entrusted to the operator. So you can't get out from, you can't even doing that. You, uh, 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 volitionally entering into the matrix and in, in, in volitionally disembodying yourself, it enters into um, all the same facts, but with death um, uh, as a more pronounced reality mm -hmm. than it already is. 100%. So it's, it's a total lie. Mm -hmm. You're lying to yourself. It does not solve any problems. It does not solve any problems. It only entraps you further. Yep. Yeah. Wow. The story's really good. Welcome to the narrative, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think, uh, you know, there, that's uh, another one of those uh, front portions we can drop you on. Sit with that for a minute. Um, we'll be back next time with uh, another question to bat around for a little while. But until then, we do love you all and your fantastic audience. And we'll catch you later. Peace. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.